From the Hollywood Gallery of the Peterson Automotive Museum, this is Car Stories at the Peterson. Welcome into another episode of Car Stories. My name is AJ. And I'm Chris. And today we are joined by legendary automotive artist, Steve Stanford. Steve, thank you so much for coming in. Legendary. I'll take that. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks uh, for coming on. Steve, you've got a great event that's going to be here at the Peterson on August 23rd. You're doing a pop-up, I guess, for the lack of a better term, art exhibit. Uh, here in the first floor of the Peterson, you're going to be doing a signing from 11 to 1. We've got a cruising going on from 10 to 4 all day. And you've got a first ever print You've never released a print before? This whole thing, I mean, as far as like a car shows, special event, this is all brand new. And I, I got to tell you, I'm very honored to be doing this at the Peterson. I mean, what better way to have a, you know, sort of a, uh, like a sort of a flagship event signing art, you know, uh, art happening. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Well, before we, we get too far into it, we're going to start all the way back because we do this with all of our guests. We start at the beginning. So, yeah. What, uh, what's your earliest automotive memory? Good Lord. I mean, we're talking preschool. I mean, <laughs> Earliest thing you can remember about a car. Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, this is before I was even uh, going to school. Uh, you know, I've always been interested, interested in art. I mean, art runs in my family. And um, there, was, there was a guy uh, in one of the upstairs apartments that was sort of uh, an artist. And occasionally he would draw cars and specifically custom cars. So this guy was obviously hip to hot rod culture. And I yeah. think that was sort of like the... Thing that get, kind of got everything started. It was just burned into me from a very early age. Do you remember any uh, any specific artwork that he did? Well, there was yeah, there was a '59 Ford with a Continental kit and pinstriping on it. And I mean, this is all a, a black and white. I, I guess he was probably just using pen and inks at the time. You know, just a black and white illustration. But it just blew my mind that somebody could render cars like that. And what, what did he uh, what did he do the drawings for? Was he a commissioned guy or is you a know, hobby? Or to this day, I'm I'm gonna assume it was a hobby. I mean, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in, it wasn't exactly what you'd call well to do. So I bet this guy sure. just did this just messing around, you know, after work or something. Gotcha. Where where did you grow up? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and it's it's sort of more custom car heavy than than hot rod heavy. Although there obviously the culture covers a lot of terrain, but for some reason in the Midwest those guys love customs. They love big cars too. Oh, absolutely! Cadillacs, <laughs> Lincolns, man, cruisers, lean back and cruise. The soft cruising. So when you started to grow up, how did you? I don't know. How did you first start to get involved in the automotive world? I mean. Driving, looking at cars, working on cars. Grow up? Yeah, you know, okay, I'm sorry. When years were added to your life, when you could start walking and driving, when, when did you start physically getting involved with cars? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, took, it actually took a while, I mean, because growing up where I did, I mean... Like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of a uh, uh, like hot rod type culture, and I, I to this day I still don't know where this comes from. It's it's some kind of a a gene that 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 somebody blessed on me at an early age or something. But at any rate, um, a lot of my uh, hands on car experience didn't really happen until after I, I I left high school and and joined the uh, the military. I was in the Air Force for four years, so after I was you know I was hanging out with with some of the guys that actually had cars, and you know I could finally get some hands on experience just messing around. Before you uh, before you went off to the military, I'm sure growing up you uh, had to have had a first car. What what was it? No, I didn't get my first car until after I left the service, dude. Really? I'm, I'm a late bloomer, but I always read the magazines. This see, this is the weird part. This is where I, I'm always talking about my my love of books and magazines and that sort of thing. 
And um, I always said that at the time, my library card was my best friend. Because yeah. cause I could keep, I could get the latest issue of Hot Rod or Motor Trend or, you know, or something like that and, you know, and, 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 and pick up on what's going on, you know? Yeah, I, I have to say I, uh, I kind of did the same thing as a kid, too. You know, drawing, you, you need some reference. You got to have something to start with. Oh, absolutely. And the library is a great place to go. And I think a lot of people kind of, you know, they, uh, they forget the library still exists because they have the Internet. But, uh, you know, there's some great books. There's a lot, of, a lot of really interesting stuff out there that, you know, you're just probably not even going to find. Well, see, to me, the Internet Otherwise. is sort of like, like getting the ball rolling, but go to the library to get the full information, and you can look at it at, at your leisure. You know, you can do, like, a lot of deep research and, and really educate yourself on not just car things, but just about anything, really. And, and I do, I don't know, maybe this is just being a kid sort of right before pre-Internet, but, I mean, it's not so much that it was a good book or research. I just remember as a kid going to the school library and getting just one of those 20 page thick you know hardback books it was just you know racing or just generic and there was a, like it's like there was a photo of some muscle car some race car taking a turn and then the back wheel just getting a little off the ground and you know it was eight years old that's all you needed you just stared at that photo so yeah. i'm glad well, i'm glad you brought up the uh the school library because believe it or not that's where i discovered the books of henry gregor felson and a lot of the old graybeards in the audience know who i'm talking about he did a whole series of they were like teen oriented novels that you know like they had a moral and all that but um he did they were all about like, morals like, who needs that well you know, it was sneaky <laughs> you'd have to read the books it was sneaky the way that that felson you, you know worked worked it into the story like you know he was talking about basically be good kids and don't street race and all that but the stories were compelling and they weren't jive at all i mean that you know that the whole series was hot rod uh uh, uh crash club road rocket you know things like that sure. and 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 things you know when you when you kind of okay it's one thing to look at at a, at a, at a car feature in, in a car magazine but when you're actually reading a story that puts it all in context why are we in the hot rods and what's the lifestyle like if you if, if you're not exactly living it you can live vicariously through 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 books like like well, what henry gregor felson did yeah no, yeah. Chris and I were talking earlier that a magazine I was obsessed with uh, reading, you know, it was like you idolized these writers when now you look back on it and you go, well, these guys are probably four years older than me now or, <laughs> you know, and they're probably not doing much. But even then you just when you read a magazine or you you kind of get involved in the lives of these journalists uh, and, and the pictures. Well, that's it, how those guys become bigger than life. Yeah. Uh, so how did how did the illustrations come about for you? Well, I mean, like I say, I, artwork runs in my family, and I always had the, the the car gene. So one thing naturally led to another. Later on, when I wanted to really get my hands dirty, you know, working on cars, I found out that I wasn't really talented with picking up a wrench, but I was pretty talented at picking up a brush. And then I f found out. Well, listen, if if I become a pinstriper, that would be my, sort of my way in because. You can find a guy that could that could wrench on them all day long, but there weren't too many automotive artists out there that could actually decorate the machines once they're all painted and tricked out. So that's where I came in. Wow, that's great. And now, did you find it tough to transition from working on paper to working on metal? Well, yes and no. Um, obviously, both have their own you know aesthetics and all that, but. Um, my my drawing style is is really close to my to my pinstriping and lettering style. Uh, the way I hold my brush when I'm when I'm doing my paintings, for instance, or the way I hold the brush when I'm pulling the line down the side of the car, it's, it's all coming from the same part of my brain. So it's really not that difficult. And which do you uh, enjoy more? Both. Both. I mean, that's, that's like asking, <laughs> that's a trick question. That's, that's like asking a dad, hey, which one's your favorite which, kid? You know? <laughs> do you ever uh, have you ever been commissioned to pinstripe a car you just didn't feel needed to be pinstriped? Oh, 
Well, hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways of looking at that. I, I want to say yes, but if that's the case, then I would find out where's the guy coming from. I mean, is is there a reason why he wants to do something in a certain way? And then we'll find a nice, pleasing way to achieve that goal. Um if a car doesn't need it, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll tell the guy. You'll tell him? Yeah. But, I appreciate that because I love just a good old school pinstripe on the side of a car. And it the the flaw in it, you know, the little bit of the run. The, oh, yeah. It, that's what makes it. But I do think there's very few cars that need that pinstripe. You know, it's funny. I, I It's funny you bring this up. Yesterday, I, I striped a brand new Hyundai. And this guy had been trying to chase me down for a couple of weeks, you know, to, you know, to do something on his car. It's a brand new Hyundai. Now, you know how swoopy and intersecting the lines yeah. can get yeah that had been a challenge well the whole idea of pinstriping is to improve the lines not just necessarily to decorate the car yeah you're highlighting the lines they were they were uh coach lines exactly at first back when they had stage coaches and that sort of thing right and it accented the shapes that they'd made out of wood back then long before their automobiles and so what i ended up having to do was instead of just your traditional von dutch type pinstripe although i did a little bit of that on the hood and on and on the back I, hey, Von Dutch would call it the Steve Stanford type pinstripe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bless his heart. Um, you know, but I ended up just doing sort of like a mini graphic on the side of it, which a it gave it a more contemporary feel. I wasn't trying to put like a '50s car type of approach to it because sure. it's a brand new car and it, it needed to be done in a brand new way. So, okay, it, but I I kind of cheated and and sort of used the old school aesthetic to get going and then finished it off with a, with a modern look. Well, one of the things that uh, I think you're a master of is, is taking, uh, you know, building uh, phantom cars, or at least building them on paper. And, uh, you know, and, and for those that don't know, a phantom would be a, a body style that never existed that particular year or on that right. particular kind of car. And you bring it another step beyond that, and often uh, all of a sudden you have, I, I think I saw a, uh, a rendering of a Volt that you did that had kind of like a 55 or 56 Chevy yeah, sort 55 of Yeah, 55 Chevy to, trim, yeah. Yeah, so you, you kind of mix the new and the old, and you somehow you always find a way to pull it off, and it and it uh, amazes me because I, I would have never thought of some of the combinations that you do. Well, the Volt was fun because I was basically making fun of, of that whole modern futuristic type thing by bringing it right back to 1955. Yeah, know, so. yeah. It was that, uh, what was the story behind that rendering? Why It was it was just a goof. I mean, and, and, and I did it for, for, for some uh, really good friends of mine, uh, and and. I thought, well, you know, let's let's try something, you know, just a little bit off the wall, and that's that's how I came up with that. So you, um, you said you did a stint in the uh, the, in the military in yeah, the Air, Air Force, Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you get into that? Was you, you were you thinking, you know, I need to go serve my country, or you wanted to find the experience, did you want or you know, find a yourself? Jet? Or, yeah, dude, it wasn't that high fluid. I needed a job. <laughs> <laughs> when I get out of high school with no skills, it's like my mom says, "You're not sticking around the house. You better do something." So. I figured out well after work maybe I could you know do do a little something on the side and at least pick up a skill that I that I could use later on. What, when I and got out. and what were you doing in the Air Force? What well, te- they they put me in munitions. All right, now here's the deal. They, I, I went into a mechanical field, but a me- that their mechanical field is pretty broad, and obviously sure. everybody wants to work in a motor pool. Well, sure. <laughs> no exception here. Right. I couldn't get in. I ended up in munitions. You're blowing stuff up for a living. Oh yeah, yeah. But you could be the guy who could write all the cool stuff on the bombs they're going to drop, and right. you know, and draw the girls on on this front sides of the plane. That could be a viable job in the sure. Air Force. Well, let's say there was a couple of military trucks that didn't escape my attention. Okay. I was like that. It was, and it was sanctioned. 
So um, you you uh, were doing munitions. Did you do that the whole time you were in? Yeah, that was that was that was my uh, my specialty field. But after work is is when I was uh, especially my first duty station. I was stationed in California, the old Jer- George Air Force Base out in the desert. Uh-huh. So after work, uh, you know, like I said, I was hanging out with some of the guys that had uh, uh, some street machines and that, and was learning how to pinstripe. And late at night, you know, it's, you know, we'd rig up the lights, and I'd continue until the job was done. Well, this went on for a few weeks. And the base, I mean, uh, the, the squadron commander, he saw the lights on at night and, and kind of got curious. So he asked around, you know, what's going on over there? And anyway, to make a long story short, he figured out that he actually had an artist in his purview that could do things that, that our squadron needed. See, normally the base art department takes care of the whole base. Well, right. you know, commanders don't get to where they're at by being stupid. So they say, hey, I've got, we got a guy right here that can handle some of our artwork. So they kind of like took me out of the, a, a lot of the day to day duties. And so I ended up doing a lot of artwork and stuff for the squadron. So I, what kind of art would they have you do? Uh, you know, just miscellaneous things, uh, f- uh, flyers, posters, uh, you know, some miscellaneous lettering for, you know, just little bits and pieces and stuff that they needed like done in a hurry, for instance. And you go through the, through the, through the base, uh, art department. God, you'd have to wait weeks or months, you know. So, so. like a graphic designer. Also. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Wow. So. Uh, and you, um, you said you started on some of these guys' cars. That that was your first experience of pinstriping. Oh yeah, I learned how to pe- flame pinstripe, do scallops. What you know. uh, what was the first car that you you messed some brush to? <laughs> um, as far as I can remember, back I was a was a seventy three Super Beetle, and I, ended up, I later on ended up actually ended up airbrushing murals on the side of it, and that was a trip. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you were uh, you were in all that airbrush stuff. So you did. Did murals too? Um, mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah, I had uh, a Pache AVL airbrush I bought and was experimenting with. What uh, what kind of uh, like how crazy were some of these murals? Can you describe some of your Just, uh, well, wildest I mean, ones that you had to do? You know, it wasn't like really nuts. Um, I would do like a lot of beach scenes, and that uh, uh, there was this, there was this one girl I remember. She had a Datsun pickup, and and it, we ended up sanding down the sides of that and doing these beautiful beach scenes on on on, on each side. It was really cool. Because I was about to say, how dated are some of the murals that you look back on? Like how many sides of the guys' panel vans? Oh, you look and go, oh my God! Why would they want the unicorn or the wizard mural? I know. <laughs> Why is Jesus riding a leopard holding yeah. a sword? You know stuff. You like know, that. I'm, and I'm happy to say I never did any kind of murals like that. Okay, oh, that's so nothing. Good. Nothing that's, that's tasteful. Oh no, I wanted stuff that was timeless even way back then. We're talking the very early seventies here. Well, and I think that kind of transitions us into your next step. You uh, you started doing bands, right? Yeah. Uh, later on, after I got out of the military, I hooked up with a van shop in in Utah. And um, oddly enough, it was called Artistic Vans. And uh, they discovered me. I was toiling away doing stuff in a body shop. And um, they, the body shop did a lot of stuff for this van conversion company. So at any rate, uh, the body shop was going to go away after a while. They, got, they decided they were going to do something else. So they grabbed me out of that and put me to work in the van, uh, the van shop. Now, of course, it was a job. but yeah. uh, And, you know, you're getting paid. But were you... Were you excited to uh, work on a van, or oh, absolutely! Or, or, can, this is the height of the van era, man. So, is, so you were into it. You oh yeah, oh yeah, gotcha, absolutely. Gotcha. I knew guys that were cruising, and you know, I was, I was gold leafing sure. their stuff and pinstriping it. I, I was knee deep in all that. So, you, were you as uh, into painting a van as you were a Volkswagen or a hot rod, or didn't matter? All I say, as long as it's cool, I want to be involved with it. So it's uh, it's just the biggest canvas you can work oh, on, yeah. right? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, how long would it take you to? Uh, to do a graphic job on a van, like a really wild one on a van. Well, keep in mind too, back then I was still learning. You know, it, you know, after, after a period of time, you, you know, you get experience doing just about anything, and so you learn the the, the, the tricks of the trade, as they say. Um, but I mean, on average, I would probably spend maybe like a week, you know, doing, you know, from start to finish. We're talking, 
you know, preparation, uh, figuring out what I was going to do, airbrushing, uh, and then the final coat to clear and that. It, it, it didn't really take much, and I didn't use a lot of stencils and everything. It was A lot of it was freehand, so you're able to move really quickly when you do it that way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, so did you mix a lot of stripes with flames and murals and all that kind of stuff, or, or did you kind of have like a certain style that you uh, like well, to do? I definitely have my own style, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, your artwork definitely has its own style. Um, I mean, it depended on the job, uh, uh, mixing and matching, uh, you know, um, how much, what was the guy's budget, you know, that, what was the theme sure. of the van, you know, that, that sort of stuff. I feel stuff, like that's so. always the first question. Oh, What's yeah, your absolutely. Theme? What, what, what is the budget? What, okay. And what are some of the themes that you had to work with? Can you, can you recall any of them? I mean, it wasn't that hard and fast. I mean, mostly, um, I was treating all this stuff like hot rods anyway, rather than gotcha. RVs. And that was kind of where, where my head was at, was making them look, look cool, you know, look, look, looking like street machines, you know, rather than something that was ready for, you know, going You're, camping or You whatever. weren't trying to turn it into the Star Wars van or oh, no. something like that. <laughs> and there were, there were lots of guys. I mean, there were some heavy hitters with the airbrush back then. Jerry Allen's a big name that comes to mind. He was working uh, here in Southern California, uh, you know, for, for a variety of custom shops. And he was one of the best airbrush guns around. The guy was incredible and, and then there, there was greg of akron he was legendary in fact greg of akron was the one that came up with the whole mural concept to begin with really? i just want to yeah. know how many guys came in and you went let me guess you want a captain ship wheel <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. how many just how many captain ship wheels did those guys want when they came in no see this is you know, you know now that i think about it i think once you develop a reputation for doing a certain type of work um, you tend to attract those types of people. You so, weren't getting the plush shag carpet and the. Well, I mean, the, the van conversion shop was doing all of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, and and you're asking how would my artwork tie into what the van conversion was? Yeah, sure. yeah. See, so well, if if it was something that crazy or 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 you know, obviously you'd have to follow the theme. But I would always try to find a way to make it my own. Did uh, you ever get into graffiti? No. And I don't encourage it. You I don't. Never, I, never, I never have. I mean, I don't care how hip a lot of people are trying to posit it these days. I mean, guys like Banksy and all that. I just thought, I just, I still look, maybe I'm old school. I just still looked upon it as vandalism. Yeah. You know, you got somebody else's property that that, that you're bombing on, and it's it's just not right, you know? Well, I mean, we, some of that stuff has actually become legitimate, though, and people are paying that, so that their building doesn't get graffitied in a way they don't want it to be right. graffitied. Well, um, yeah, I, they gave in. Yeah, a couple of blocks from here on La Brea, there's a whole bunch of buildings that are all they're all graffiti artists have painted oh, yeah. them, but they were commissioned to do that right. because it prevents the building from just getting vandalized. Right. You know, and there's a lot of just really incredible stuff out there. I mean, do you what do you outside of the uh the the vandalism part of it, the artistic side of graffiti, do you see that as something that's um, you know, maybe uh it could be kind of inspirational in the in the styles. Yeah. Um, plus, we've got to remember, too, that now we're in the middle of a generational change. So that explains why guys like that would want to express themselves in that manner. That's the sort of thing that they relate to. I mean, the general public just sees the the, the finished uh, uh, bomb art that was that was thrown up on the wall. But the, the whole culture, you know, with, you know, with hip hop and, you know, uh, break dancing, uh, you know, just it's, it's the whole culture that that was just uh, the graffiti was just a part of it. Sure. So I can understand why the kids are looking to express themselves in that manner. That's what they and their peers relate to. So I'm not going to knock that, but I, I just, I don't know, I guess because maybe they're just hurting for a lack of a legitimate surface. You know, early on, it wasn't like galleries was, was looking to accept that type of artwork. Well, they didn't have 1,200 square feet of van 
Yeah. <laughs> they were able to paint on. Yeah. They didn't have a billboard-sized van exactly. that they could express themselves on. How did you get, though, from the shop uh, and painting the actual cars to focusing more on the, the design and the art and sketching is kind of what you're doing now is, is you know making these designs that are not just designs for the fabricators to go off of, but you know legitimate framed artwork. Well, oh, I'll, I'll get to the frame part, you know, the the, the aesthetics part in a second. Um, that came later. Um, I mean, I'd always been drawing cars, you know, for for just you know for myself especially, and and you know for others, and you know later on some of the magazine stuff. Um, how can I put this? When I moved to California in, in in the early '80s, and I hooked up with Bill Carter, he was doing a lot of the race car work, um, and obviously those guys needed renderings and proposals. And, and so, being in that shop and in that environment, that accelerated my involvement with 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 that end of, uh, of the art. I mean, regardless, like I said, I was drawing, you know. Anyway, it's just that all of a sudden I'm doing it specifically for a clientele with a, with a specific need. So that 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 came in handy, and I learned on the fly how to treat. Uh, those professional individuals and and how to prevent present my work in in a more professional manner and I think that's what led to a lot more uh, uh, publication work. See, back then it wasn't like any kid with a, with a computer that could that could come up with something and send it to one of the books and it get it got printed. I mean, you had your work had to be of a certain commercial standard in order to be, even be considered for publication. I'm thinking about guys like Harry Bradley, Mark Sterenberger, Kenny Youngblood, people like that. I mean, they were heavy hitters. So that was the look that I was aspiring to. That's where the self taught part of it comes from. I basically took. These guys were thoroughly schooled and, and had lots of experience. So I thought, okay, well, what are they doing right? What do I need? How do I need to, to get my work to look that professional so I can attract more professional clients? And that, that got, that gave me the mindset needed to, uh, uh, you know, to, uh, to service those types of people. Yeah. Now, uh, you, you mentioned that you, uh, did a few race cars. Um, what were some of the, uh, well, first of all, was it mostly drag racing or did you do all kinds time. of racing? Okay, and what and who are some of the names we might recognize that you uh, did their cars? Oh God, we did everybody from. I did a few cars for Shirley Muldowney, for instance. Um, where, you know, like when she got her Pioneer deal, uh, Kenny Youngblood did one of one of the first ones, and then I did a lot of the subsequent ones after that. Uh, we handled the late Gary Ormsby, and um, Lee Beard was crew chief on that, and that's when he got his uh, his big Castro deal. That Castro deal actually led to uh, the use of of vinyl. Uh, you know, for for the actual race car graphics, because they wanted to get their their logos and that you know uh, 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 exact. You know, it wasn't like some guy with wielding a brush trying to get it close. Sure. Right? They they needed it exact. So that's how that came about. Um, let me think. Um, Joe Paisano was, well, was mm-hmm. another heavy hitter. I mean, we did a lot of them. Tim Gross. There was there were so many people that that we took care of. It had to be bittersweet to see the car crash because on one hand you go, here's my artwork that. It just got destroyed, but on the other hand, you go, oh, they got to pay me to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's a start line, you're proud, and yeah, exactly. at the other end of the track, you're crying, right? Yeah, oh, God, exactly. Well, you, know, you just kind of realize that going in, you know. But <laughs> or, or do you look at it and go, well, I hope they're, A, I hope they're okay, and B, looks like I got work to do on Monday. That's, right? what, I was, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah, absolutely. More money, more money. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of how's the driver, but how's the car? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you've uh, you've actually designed a lot of uh, famous hot rods and customs over the years, and you've done some for a whole variety of different uh, builders. Um, what were some of your favorite projects that you've 
that you've done for uh, in the hot rod world or custom world? Right. Well, I mean, obviously Billy Gibbons is one of the first guys that that, that comes to mind. I mean, the Peterson debuted his uh, his fifty uh, Ford Copperhead. Yeah, that's a very cool. That car. was fun. <laughs> well, it was funny. That started out as a as a uh, as, as a, a, a sketch pad in Rod and Custom Magazine. I was just riffing around and did this three window uh, uh, Ford Coupe. And obviously Billy saw it and loved it. And next thing I know, that you know, with with Chaporis and uh, Jim Jacobs, and they all got together and, and built the real thing. So, and uh, for those who uh, may not necessarily be familiar with with this kind of artwork, can you uh, describe what a sketchpad article is? A sketchpad article is basically uh, a uh, a set of design ideas. It just depends on on how many artists they use. Sometimes a magazine will use one. Sometimes they'll they'll double up or triple up, and you know, get a variety of ideas depending on what the theme is. And what they are are just freeform ideas that are put out there for the general public to um, to say, hey, you know, I like that, or maybe you know, provide a spark of inspiration for for their their project that that they probably just hadn't thought of before. So, I have to say, it was uh, you know, you definitely inspired me a lot when I was a kid. I oh, I did the same thing. <laughs> I had you know, I had a sketch pad and a whole stack of magazines all the time, and you know, I I pulled out all those sketch pad articles and and. Uh, you know, you, you were certainly an influence on me in my early career uh, designing hot rods and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, it's it's a great honor to uh, talk to you now. So this is pretty exciting. But, um, you know, you, you've actually transitioned into some things that maybe the general public outside of the hot rod world uh, have experienced. You've done, done some movie work. Right? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the Gone in 60 Seconds Mustang immediately comes to mind. Yeah, it's uh, probably one of the most famous... Uh, so modern sketched, movie cars. You sketched the Eleanor. Yeah, that's the car we're talking about, right? The Mustang. Yeah. So how did that come about? Did someone come to you and say, "We need a Mustang for this car"? Start pretty designing much. something. Yeah, I mean, the studios they were looking around for somebody to uh, to do this, pro- and they said my name kept coming up. So they figured, well, let's let's track this guy down and you know see what he can do for us. Now, keep in mind, then nobody knew the movie was going to be the hit that it was. I mean, this was just another project. This could have just as very well went nowhere. But from the start, and to the producer's credit, they said they wanted something that was real, that was believable, that was an actual car, not not just a a, a cartoon like like some of the the later Batmobiles and that sort of thing, because right. um, they look good and on, on the movies, but you can't see yourself pulling into In and Out Burger with. I'm sorry, does <laughs> that Batmobile like, over know? there not yeah. look like? Yeah, exactly. It makes a good three point turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're really good, you yeah. know. <laughs> you, get, you need the uh, little bat hook to come. Yeah, shooting out of the side of a car to get you around the corner. But but realistically, something. I mean, what what average enthusiast could even see himself doing something like that? But this Mustang, we wanted something that was for real, that was believable, and the guy could actually see sitting, in, you know, in his garage. So and that, and that car has been, <laughs> well, it's an iconic movie car to begin with, but it also is an iconic car on the auction circuit. It seems like every car auction you go to, there's an Eleanor clone. It's amazing. Tell me about it. It turned into a whole pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, so what's it like to start a phenomenon? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty humbling, let's put it like that. Yeah. I mean, you don't go into stuff like, like in other words, if you say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to I'm going to rework the world. I'm going to reinvent the wheel. It never happens like that. I guess that, I would say, you know? what's it like to see cars get sold you don't get a piece of? Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's that's where the real question is. That's always the, the, the challenge. You we'll know? say no comment. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you're designing a, a car, though, is it? Is there ever a discrepancy? Do you ever go back and forth with the fabricator because he just goes, no, I can't do this? Oh, no, all the time. But see, keep in mind, the, the shops that I hung out in, um, 
it wasn't like the big fancy Detroit styling studios where they got the big presses and they got all the you know the clay studios and they got anything and everything it would take to to, to build a car from the ground up. The people I deal with are much more prosaic. They're much more down to earth. Uh, the situations are real and the budgets are smaller. So if uh, to to do these projects justice, I really have to think like just your common guy that wants something cool and wants something different and basically working with what he has and, and something that's actually feasible. And I think that's the reason why a lot of my designs have become so popular over the years. People can relate to them. If the customer say, okay, we, this looks pretty good on paper. Well, I try to head that off at the past before that, 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 that subject even comes up. Cause I'm thinking, okay, can I, this guy actually bend this metal this way or does he have to go out and have glass custom made? Now, if it's the kind of shop where they do have that kind of capability, okay, I'll keep that in mind and, and I'll go a little more free form. But generally speaking, I try to keep this stuff doable, you know, and try to keep the budget where it's somewhat reasonable. Mm-hmm. Having said all that, no, these cars aren't boring as it, as it turns out. And the reason why they're popular is because, again, people can look at them and they can relate to them. You know, and they say, wow, okay, it's possible. So other builders, now they would get inspired and say, hey, we can do that. It, it wouldn't be that hard. So that's So, so what's the process? Does somebody, does somebody seek you out as a, yes. and say, I want a car designed? Or do they go to a builder and then the builder says, hey, I know this guy, Steve. He Actually, can draw you some cars. You yeah, know? It's, it's worked both ways. Yeah, and then, then what happens when you, uh, when you meet that person? What, uh, you know, how do you find out what they really want because sometimes people have a really hard time articulating oh yeah what they really want what's inside their head there's also one thing that people don't talk a lot about is that a lot of these guys they don't really know what they want but they just they want something cool they yeah. want they want you know something that they can go to the shows and win all the trophies and they go to you know good guys meet or something like that and you know and get everybody going ooh and ah so they usually find a shop that would pretty much give them what they're looking for like i say as far as budget uh taste you know ideals and all that and then you know we'll, we'll we'll take it from there. Now, every now and then you'll get a guy that's pretty sharp and he and he knows what he wants. So I'll try to do a one on one with him and get into his head and figure out where he's coming from, and then we can have a consensus. And, and there's a lot of thumbnail sketches flying back and forth and all that till we nail down the concept and give him exactly what he wants. So what uh, what uh, when you sit down to do the render, you do some sketches first, oh, of yeah. course, and then you you get into the rendering. What uh, what kind of techniques do you use? What medium do you use? I'm pretty old school. I mean, just I'll start with everything with a number two pencil on bond paper. Yeah. And uh, unlike vellum, I was always messy when it comes to, to, to onion skin vellum paper, you know, so that's why I just use your traditional bond, you know. Yeah. I can erase on it easily. And I'll do I'll do sketches that I won't show the customer beforehand just to kind of get a feel for the project and warm up to it. Once I work up ideas that I like, then I'll show the, the the client those because I don't want to show him the other stuff that I'm not going to be happy with because there's the off chance that he just might say, "Hey, let's do that," and I'll go, "No, don't pick that one." You know, right? <laughs> do you, do you um, do a lot of sketches or are you one of those kind of people that goes, "Okay, I know what I want to do," and I draw it and I do well, maybe another variation, and then we're good to go? How it's it's two tiered that process. It, 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 well, it's two tiered. I mean, first of all, I have what I what I call a to do pile, and those are ideas and, and and loose sketches and stuff that I'll I'll work up just short of filling them in, and I'll put those away. Um, then there's stuff that I do for uh, specifically for clients. I found that I don't I try not to give him a lot of choices simply because I don't want to go on a hunting and fishing expedition here. I want to try to nail down the concept right off the bat for two reasons: it saves him money and saves me time. So sure. and and if if I it, I'm usually pretty confident about uh the kind of design that I that I can uh, uh conjure up and 
usually people that come to me, they know my by now they know of my track record. So they know that they're going to get a certain look when they come to me or they're going to get a certain look when they go to another designer. It all depends on what these guys are looking for. Well, if they're coming to me and they already know what to expect, that means I don't have to do like a lot of fishing, you know, around and, and well, I wonder if he's going to like this or maybe let's try this. No, I already pretty much know what, what you know, what, gotcha. what the goal is going to be. So. To get back to your art for a second, mm-hmm. are you being now just are people approaching you saying, I just want your painting? I just want you to, to come up with a beautiful design or a beautiful drawing and do it as a painting. Well, I, do, I try to do both. And, and I found out that, well, first of all, competition being what it is, I'm just trying to stay ahead of the game here. But I found that a lot of people do like to hang them on the wall once, you know, once, once we get done. And um, I've always found that, that a compliment. And later I found out that, that, that a selling point. And, and people are saying, oh, man, you know, maybe you can just do a portrait of, of, of my wife's car or, or my old hot rod or something like that. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of a two-tiered thing now. Guys are looking me up just to do portraits. And guys are also obviously looking for me uh, to do their uh, uh, their design concepts and that yeah, sort of thing. because so. at the Peterson, and this is happening August 23rd, which I believe is a Saturday. It's on a Saturday. Saturday, Saturday August right. 23rd, mm-hmm. you are have your first ever print. Because a print is a very common, in the art world, is, you know, they're copies. I mean, they're they're very nice copies limited run and you've never done that before you've only had originals yeah not well it was mainly due to lack of time i mean because I, I, I was just so busy just doing regular commission work you know for the for the uh for the designs and you know uh the, the rod shops and that sort of thing that i finally just had to carve out some time to do some some uh, uh one-off paintings that we could turn into prints and, and so can you tell you us know. about this print well the, the the print that we're starting with is this beautiful 1959 cadillac uh three-quarter rear study that we're calling the california cadillac and um, we're, we're reproducing it on canvas, so it's, it's got that nice quality feel yeah, to it's, it. It's going to be a, it's a great, you know, it's going to be a very high quality, absolutely, print work of art. So people can come see that here at the Peterson yes. on the twenty third. Yes. Uh, will it be for sale? Uh, the original is already spoken for, but we do have a lot. We have prints that that we made up. Um, we have uh, 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 twenty of the uh, of the larger sizes. And uh, we did. We're doing like a hundred or maybe two hundred of the uh, the uh, smaller size. We decided to offer two different sizes mm-hmm. for, for for you know for different budgets and that. But uh, and, and when you uh, when you do a painting like this, of course you're using different medium than you are when you're just doing you know the typical yeah. rendering for a client that wants right. a car built. Right. Those are marker drawings. And what we're doing here is right. our paintings. Yeah. 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 So what and what medium do you use? Acrylic on board. Acrylic on board. Mm-hmm. So what? You know, what's uh, how much time do you have involved in doing a rendering versus doing a painting? It's it's a, a little bit different process. Oh, you, you know, that, Are, do you it, does it go fast for you? Is it take oh, you no. a long time? It uh, takes you know? me a while. I mean, well, long being a relative term, depending well, on the artist if, if they're used to doing it. But generally speaking, I'll usually take about everywhere from three weeks to two months. You know, but see, the, the uh, tricky- is that for the painting or for the rendering? No, that's for the painting. <laughs> oh no, God, the, the renderings they usually take about a week. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of involved in, and um, you know, you really when you see his, uh, Steve Stanford drawing, look closely at it because the devil's in the details. There's a lot of really amazing detail work, a lot of accurate stuff in there, and and uh, it's not just a pretty picture, but it's, uh, it's a very accurate drawing that you could build a car from. You know, it's not it's not cartoonish. It's it's uh, realistic. And again, that that's what we were the, the points we were touching on earlier because realizing that these guys actually want to build these things. Why? And it was I, I've seen so many really beautiful concepts, and I'm talking about from the, from Detroit styling studios. But by the time it gets dumbed down enough for production, you've lost the spirit of. Well, we were talking about the Chevy Volt much earlier. Yeah, remember totally different car. Absolutely, and 
that's yeah, not constantly. fair. People got all yeah. you know worked up and oh man, I want to vote, and then they, and then they see the original. And it's like, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you know you you uh, there's there's a lot more freedom, I guess, in designing a hot rod than there is uh, oh, some yeah. of the production cars because we're not crash testing them and doing all that kind of stuff fortunately well, i hope not hopefully yeah, we don't have to start you're on doing your that. own if you crash it <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but if anybody wants to come out and meet steve in person it's saturday august 23rd at the peterson there's going to be tons of your artwork on oh, display yeah. uh there's going to be your first ever print you're going to unveil uh you'll be able to meet them there'll be a cruising tons of hot rods customs so it's going to be a fun day for the whole family and if you want to pick up some art there'll be tons of it here for you to do and if you want to ask steve uh all the marker questions in the world. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be here from uh, eleven to one signing. So and I'll tell you what better what better there. venue to do this in than the Peterson Automotive Museum. Oh, thank you. Well, and thank uh, you. Steve, throw out your Facebook page because I hear it's so popular. <laughs> Steve Stanford Designs, you know, at uh, AOL dot com. No, no. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> what's what's your I'm, website? I'm, no, actually, there's not a website yet. We're, we're just we're just on Facebook. I'm I'm screwing around. Here. Google Steve Stanford. There Look you up go. Steve Stanford on Facebook. <laughs> You're going to be able to find them. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) All right, Steve, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you.